episode 21 of the IntelliCast podcast brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. My name is Adam Jolly. Joining me as always is my co-host, Brian Lamar. Hey, Adam. How's it going, man? <sighs> Love it. I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm a little bit of like I'm in a hurricane right now, but everything's going great. You've been gone for a few days. Yeah, too much. Um, as always, you can reach out to us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Follow EMI on Twitter, EMI underscore research. IntelliCast on Twitter, Twitter, which is IntelliCast1. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly. Brian, your Twitter? No Twitter. Are you, you should get Twitter just for IIEX. Well, I'll probably be doing a lot of tweeting from the EMI account. Ah. And maybe even the IntelliCast account. Don't do that. It's pointless. No man respects it. Which I don't even have the password. IntelliCast1. It's, but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's too much Twittering. B-League. Twittering. Do we have a, um, do, we, do we have like a, is an egg still our avatar on Twitter for IntelliCast1? You sure? All right. We'll check it out. Pretty sure it is. Pretty sure we're one of those egg accounts that like the Russian bots put out there. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Brian, Some let's go non-research current events. What's been going on with you? Let's see. Uh, my wife changed an alternator this weekend. Whoa, that's great. <laughs> She's very handy. It took her all day long. That was a lot of fun. Um, let's see. That's about it in my personal life. Getting ready to go to Atlanta for the weekend. So we're, yeah, we're extended time with my brother down there. We'll have a lot of fun. Um, I think that... You know, Memorial Day weekend, we did a ton. And then this past weekend was just kind of relaxation. And this next weekend, we'll do a ton. For what sure. About you? Um, I just got done a little weekend getaway with the current Mrs. Jolly. <laughs> we went to Nashville, Tennessee. Um, it's about four hours away from Cincinnati. Easy four hours. Easy four hours. Most yeah. of it's Kentucky. Yeah. And we loved it 100%. Yeah. We go back tomorrow. I think it's good. So... Both of us went to school at Eastern Kentucky University, and so it wasn't too far from Nashville, only like, you know, two hours from Nashville. Yeah. So when we were going down, like in the early 2000s, like it was just a trash pit. You went down to like dive bars and like chances were that you could get up on stage at some point in time. Yeah. Um, It's completely changed. It's unbelievable. Nashville is, it is really unbelievable. There's so much to do and um, we talked earlier, you put it as um, a cleaner New Orleans, and that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Um, just a little bit different music, right? I never once felt like I was close to being stabbed. Yeah. Which is how I feel about New Orleans, I'll be honest. Nobody's trying to scam you. Yeah. It's just friendly. There's so much music and like really good music. Like one time I was there, we're listening to some karaoke, like at five o'clock on a Monday, karaoke, right? You're thinking, oh, I'll get up there at five o'clock on a Monday. It's Nashville. I'm from out of town. And it's like professional karaoke singers in the middle yeah. of the day. Too good for me. Yeah. And then um, we only, we went down to like the main strip once. Um for the most part, my day was like laying around, eat some hot chicken for lunch. Yeah. Or breakfast, like a brunch type situation. Laying around. It was nice. We stayed at a great hotel. It just been open uh, not too long ago. And then uh, we'd go eat like a gigantic dinner. Yeah. And then just go to sleep at like 930. Man, that is that is a good vacation. Yeah. No kids. It was great. Yeah. Um, they are angels, but very glad they were with us. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, yeah, that was, that was awesome. I just got back yesterday. I was gone for four days. Um, and then today has been just like, it was kind of nuts. Like we've had, uh, we're growing at EMI, which is a blessing. We've got new people here, training new people, um, really up in the staff. It's been great. It's kind of nice in the summer to do that. Three new people. Three new people in 24 hours. 
All yeah. kind of different jobs. Yeah. That's a lot for us. We're not that big. I'm kind of stressing out. It's a 10% raise. Yeah. In employees. Yeah. yeah. We were both, you know, obviously you're doing the majority of the training or a lot of the training. I'm doing a little bit of the training. It's a lot. Yeah. We're small. We, we all have lots of tasks. So it's fun to have new people, no blood. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to Atlanta and like selling and being under the pressure of being on for selling rather than training and new employees. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> actually talk to people that right. would like to talk about sample. For sure. Hey, speaking of sample, current, <laughs> current events. Yeah. Grit Report came out. Yeah. We love the Grit Report. We love the Grit Report, and we love it so much we're going to go down to the Green Book Conference next week to talk about the Grit Report. For sure. So um, I've glazed over the Grit Report. Yeah. Uh, I always try to look at the sample at like expertise parts. Yeah. And the biggest thing that I always love is to look at, and they do a great part in the grit report is looking at what do people think about the future of sampling? How is sample going between, you know, insights providers like a supplier, which, so that would be like your full service market research firm, uh, management consulting firm, ad firm, your insights buyer clients. So that's like your brand names for the most part. And then the sample company, the panel provider. Yep. This year, you're not going to guess it. You're, you're never going to guess who of those three believes that the sample industry is getting better. So the, the, the three options would be the insights provider, the insights buyer, the client, or the sample people. Who yes. thinks sample's getting better? Yes. I mean, it wouldn't be the sample people. Oh, my gosh. I can't <laughs> believe it. We're doing everything right. <laughs> Woo! Pat yourself on the back, folks. Once again. Third, all right, it's, uh, we're undefeated. Uh, our self-realization is just great. We're 31% of sample suppliers think they're doing better now than they were doing, where it's 19% for the other two. Um, who do you think thinks we're going worse? Well, you would think it's not the sample people, right? Correct. It is the insights provider supplier. So this is like your full-service market research people, the people that are buying millions of dollars of sample every year. 40% of them think we are getting worse as sample suppliers. Well, there's a disconnect. Uh, a little bit. Basic math. Um, so that leads me, like, we'll talk about that. I'm not going to get into what the grip report thinks, why that is a meeting. But, Brian, you've been on the other side of the table before. Yeah. You've worked for full service market research firms before, insight yeah. suppliers. Why? Where is the disconnect? Um, I think that quality i think quality has been a challenge the past couple of years so if you're a buyer of sample and you're reviewing data and you see some bad sample it's gonna be top of mind so you're like oh it's getting worse i think it's probably a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction on the sample side we talk to partners all the time we're building our own improvements in terms of quality and so we're probably more positive because we see what's coming down the road, not just like what we're building. We see it from our partners. And, you know, a lot of people are spending a lot of time and resources trying to improve quality. Um, so that's probably why we're a little bit more positive. Do you agree? I agree. I think that it is we're a little bit more positive because we're close too close to it. We're investing into it. And it's like this hopefulness that, okay, we're investing in this. So it has to be working out and we do our own research on research. And I think we've been able to shape a little bit what is working, what is not but at the same time, we're constantly evolving. Right. So I think it, we would totally be true that we're not getting better if we were kind of staying the course, you know, like every yeah. year we do waves and waves on research and research here to kind of grade panels. And that changes how we source. It changes how we blend. 
Um, but if we were to just stay the same and just do like one blend per year or take a year off, then we're not investing in it. We're not as close to it. I think then you, we could really start to wonder like, okay, is this going the same? Um, on the other end, I hear something. You're not going to be ready for this, but I think you're going to be on my team on this. So we were having a conversation recently about there seems to be two camps in sample right now. And that is the traditional sample. And that doesn't have to be double opt-in email. I'm not saying the old school because panels have come so far now to where you have, you know, I think probably the two biggest traction panels in the industry now with protege active measure have really come across as shopper panels. Um, so not the traditional double opt-in. These people were recruited via phone and all these different mixed methodologies, really just through the points to shop type system. Um, so that is like a traditional type panel. And then the programmatic API throw in router if you want to, if that's just a part of the programmatic part, but like that camp as well. So it's, yeah. it's heavily based technology and non-technology. And both you and I have been all in on both sides before. Yeah. But I think from an insight, it, so if you're a market research firm, take anybody number 20 through 30 in the latest gold report, right? And you are traditional, you're not a giant. You are doing surveys, you're doing segmentation, you're doing all kinds of different types of like more um, custom research. You're yeah. doing surveys, say. Yeah. And your biggest competitors in the last five years have been DIY automated type tools. Yeah. You've seen a huge step, whether it's Zappy's or whether it's whatever Qualtrics is doing. Um, Google surveys was a big part. You can do your own survey. Like there's all kinds of survey monkey. Like there's a lot of DIY type tools that come up and really come after your business for the most part and cut into your bottom line. And now sample suppliers a huge faction of sample suppliers that kind of look, sound, and smell like this group, this like emerging technology that's taken over your business have come out. Obviously, that noise will start to make you think, oh my, it's happening again. There's yeah. uh, this, uh, nothing can good can come from automation. This can't be right. And who cares about APIs and programmatic sampling because that's happened before. It hurt me and I can't have anything to do with it. And so you're going to score that it's getting worse because you're so close to the fire. You've been burned before, right? Yeah. Is that too much? Is that too deep? No, I think you're right. That's be, I, I was thinking about this and like, if you are really into sampling and you follow it on Twitter and you read blogs and you read the grit report and you're, you know, you read the gold report and you talk to people, like you go to SampleCon, you hear a lot about programmatic sampling and APIs and technology advancements and better profiling and all of these advancements, which are great, but that's the loudest voice that you hear. People, sure. the people that are talking about that are very loud and maybe they need to be very loud right. um, to try to change more traditional. Cause I think market researchers at their core are very traditional and they're very resistant to change. Right. Right. So you have all these loud people thinking, Oh my gosh, this is, if you're not building a programmatic sample solution, what are you doing? But there's this core of market research where it's very traditional. We're going to use this same method we've been using for a while. We're not going to listen to all this noise about – and a good example would be mobile. Like everybody was talking right. about mobile five years ago. This is the new way. You have to have micro surveys. And, you know, we didn't really see that take off. Right. Routing was a trend at about the same time. 
routing has almost gone away in many cases. So it's really a lot of loud people. Now, I've, we use programmatic solutions, right? Right. We love the technology. It increases efficiencies, but the really you have to be able to use the tool. Um, you have to be able to understand its advantages and disadvantages and program it correctly. That's how we utilize it. and how we advise our clients to use, utilize it. Um, and I think that's how a lot of traditional researchers use it. But that is not their solution. They're not using a DIY tool for all their needs um, because it probably doesn't work with their client base. Uh, I, I 100% agree. And I think it goes back. Um, I caught a little bit of flack for it. But at SampleCon this year, I said that we are very bad business decision makers. And maybe <laughs> the better thing would be bad salespeople of of the of like in the industry and that when something new comes around we go all in and we're like we're gonna invest in everything this is the future here comes river guys oh here comes mobile everybody's buying up mobile panels and starting up new panels um and now here comes programmatic everyone get in everybody get some kind of marketplace some kind of exchange and at the end of the day what you wind up is that a couple companies really do it well they find their niche their clients that are where it should be they do really well and they stay with it a lot of people fail and maybe give a black eye to the companies that are really doing well. So take mobile. Like everyone started a mobile panel. And now if you go out there, it's really just M4 and or an info scout, like just a few top uh, field agent, like some panels that are really doing it well. Um, not panels even like technology companies that are really yeah. doing it well. And you don't have like the panel companies that were getting in the space, the panel companies that were building mobile panels. And it's the same thing with programmatic and like these exchanges. So you have lucid that started everything. And then everyone else now is trying to build up APIs and trying to build up their programmatic and yeah. And how do they compete? And how do they differ from what Lucid's doing? Or even like a, you know, what does Pure Spectrum do? How do they fall into that? So I think we're kind of repeating the same cycle over again. Yeah. And I think we can't live in a vacuum. We expect that our clients, these full service market research firms, these in- insights exp- uh, suppliers don't see that. Cause I think we've, we've become the boy that cries wolf and that every solution that we have, the next big thing is just a fad. Yeah, completely agree. Um, we'll see how this shakes out. Um, I'm interested to talk to people next week about this. Um, Sample is always a big topic at IEX and with Green Book there. There'll be tons of uh, end clients and full service market research. So I'm excited to learn next week more about this. I completely agree. I'd love to see other people. I'd love to hear other people's opinions on it as well. Shifting gears, I'm going to go over with you now. According oh. to the survey, the top 10 most innovative suppliers <laughs> in market research, according to the Grit Report. And just give me your initial thoughts after I say them. Okay. Starting with 10, LRW. Okay. Nine, Zappy Store. Eight, Hot Specs. Seven, Insights Consulting. Six, GFK. Five, Research Now SSI. Um, I don't know. Did they combine their score? They went up one last year, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Nielsen at number four. Number three, System One, formerly Brain Juicer. Number two, Ipsos. And number one, Kantar. Based off just initially seeing that, what are your thoughts on the top 10 most innovative suppliers? As Dr. Fox, my market research professor at the University of Georgia, said, it's Bupkis. <laughs> I'm with you. Keep going. I mean, come on. Come on. It's, it's either people's kind of stacking the deck. Like, how many Cantar people took that survey? 
and uh, 583. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing that's how mentions they got. Yeah. I mean, nothing against Kantar and Ipsos and Nielsen. I mean, they're the biggest and the baddest companies in our space, but I don't think anybody considers them to be super innovative unless buying up other small companies and, you know, growing by 1% a year is considered innovative. Right. Um, there are some in there that are somewhat innovative. I mean, Zappy Store obviously is pretty innovative and a couple others. Absolutely. But I mean, I think a lot of this is top of mind and maybe there's some dilution. And, and kind of the results that, you know, if you kind of stripped out, if you went to maybe to 20 and you yeah. stripped out kind of the old school companies, I think you'd have a decent list there maybe. Let me put more of this out there for you. So M4 comes in at 47. They dropped nine spots by being the number one mobile sample supplier in the industry. Yeah. And the only mobile supplier that anyone ever talks about at every conference, they dropped nine spots. Okay. That's strike one. Yeah. Uh, C-Space, yeah. arguably the leading community, created communities in the industry, debuted <laughs> at number 36. Oh, my gosh. Um, you've got companies like 2020 Research that are doing more with focus groups, qualitative going online, qualitative than anyone else. Dropped 10 spots this year. Yeah, evidently, that's not good enough. Um uh, dive more into it. Fuel cycle. I mean, we know Rick pretty well. I love Phil. Love them. They're great. Yeah, huge. They've done so much more. And actually, Rick will actually be on the podcast somewhere <laughs> in Atlanta at the Barrel House. Uh, so a little plug for him. But they made their debut this year oh. at number twenty-one. Um, since what a competitor, whatever, they're at number eighteen on this list by having over sixteen hundred different panels using programmatic sampling and being able to not just manage sample as it goes on, but you can go on there and start your own panel and right. monetize your own traffic. And apparently, that is number eighteen on the list of innovative things that people are doing in this industry. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but Cantor has, Cantor has a deal with Vice. No. Um, hey, do you know, have you ever heard of this company called Qualtrics? Yeah, Qualtrics, I mean, they, you know, they just had a big conference, pretty innovative with, you know, a few thousand people, and it looks like they're building a new CRM. Yeah, they seem pretty innovative. Where are they at? Yeah, they're number 13. They dropped a spot this year by getting unicorn status on their appraisal. <laughs> the only unicorn in market research history, right? Meanwhile, Martin Sorrell's <laughs> running as fast as he can away from WPP and setting up front businesses. Because they're just knocking the ball out of the park. That's your number one. Is this a research rant? Are we ranting? I'm ranting a little bit. It just makes me upset. Zappy Store has done so much. I would First of all, Zappy Store would be the reason why Kantar would be up there. Yes. Like if you looped them But they in. separated them. But they separated them. Yeah. Zappy Store is super innovative. The, going back to the DIY yeah. that we were talking about for full service. It's, it's great. They're number nine on the – there's eight companies more innovative than that. I just do not understand it. I mean, I think Nielsen, I think they're pretty sure they still have those boxes on TVs. <laughs> yeah, you still have to paper and pencil a journal for yeah. what you watch on TV, and they're yeah. number four on the list. I don't understand it. I think this is more, um, it's not the survey. Let me first, but it's not the grit report. They're doing what they can with the data that they're getting. Yeah, for exactly. 100%. The base size of very, over 500 is amazing, yes. right? It's the people it's answering best. the question. Yes. Let's and see. it's what innovative means to people. That is the wrong here. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's probably the, we talked earlier about the loudest voices in the room being the technology group. Yeah. And it's not those loudest voices really being able to communicate on these type of surveys. Yeah. And I just, embarrassing is a strong word, but I just, 
just because they have the most money in the room and they're the ones that everyone's heard of does not make them innovative. And there's so many other companies on this list. Like think about what Hotspex does. I mean, they're number eight on this, but what they do for programming and how they kind of keep people engaged. Uh, System One, like they were number one last year. They dropped to number three this year. And I really think they only dropped to number three because they, they took a hit last year as far as revenue, right? They did nothing differently. I still see them at every conference of something new, something engaged. Even in the top 50, like I don't see like... Okay, number thirty nine is sentient. I was gonna say like they're they're huge. They drop five spots. Since they drop five spots for changing how people do attitudinal research. <laughs> what are we doing? I just I just don't understand. Like this is like we got to do a better job. It makes me want to like somehow find a way to take the uh, grit report like five times. Take the survey. All right, uh, and, and also it's even more depressing when you think about. I see a lot about Zappy Store out there, right? They're all over LinkedIn. They have a really good marketing team. They have pretty good solutions. They have yeah. really good partnerships, right? Yes. I consider them to be pretty innovative and um, good people there. They've really grown the last few years, but they're still loud and they're still not up there. And right. like, ask your target market. I consider them to be pretty innovative. I, don't, I didn't hear you mention them. They're clearly not in the top 10. No. But, you know, Research Now and SSI, you know, I feel like they, they've kind of just, you know, they're they've kind of stopped innovating until they get all this sorted out and they still get to number five. Yeah. I thought that was, that was the point, right? That's like, Hey, we did this huge merger. We're trying to figure out how to make our panels align, how to do this. We are not going to innovate for a year. Right. And because we have, which is what you should do. You should not, right. you know, you should focus. Let's get this stuff together. Right. Let's get our clients lined up. Let's figure out which way we're going to go. What ideal, yeah. what identity we're going to pick up. They moved up a spot by not innovating at all. By vocally saying they're not going to innovate, they moved up a spot in the grit report. I mean, they haven't decided whether they're going to be headquartered in Dallas or Connecticut. They don't even know their name of the company. Which makes sense. I mean, those are right. problems you should have when you merge right. two giant companies. Right. I totally get it. Okay. I agree. This is a good rant. You're right. 20 minutes on the most innovative companies in the Grit Report. Gold. And again, like, I just make it totally clear. It's it's not, the Grit Report is right. Yeah. Like, they've done, the, the research is great. Absolutely. And to a point, like, these companies are great and they're innovating. Like, without the, without what they have done. So, I just went off on a rant, like the Research Now SSI thing. But without... The foundation that Research Now and SSI's two independent companies have done in the industry, without the innovations they've done in the past, the advancements to technology, what they've done for sampling and the quality of the industries, EMI doesn't exist. Like no sample company exists without what they've done for all of us, and like we should forever be indebted to them. And, and they were innovative when they bought Peanut Labs and kind of left them alone, right? Right. They have that kind of a new way of sampling. Kudos to them. Hundred percent. That was five years ago. It's that. When we're taking this survey, either we have done a poor job of selling, we've done a poor job of marketing, but we have lost track. The respondents of this survey have lost track of what innovative means. And I hope somebody talks about it at IAX. Like nobody did last year. And I kind of get it because like you don't want to be combative in front of a bunch of people. And half these people are big sponsors. They're going to have like they're going to have people there talking to. So you don't want to get combative. But man, I hope somebody's like, what the hell is going on? Were these Maybe it's system one. My, my challenge is to Alex Hunt to get up on stage and say, hey, we dropped two points this last year and this is bogus. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say. I had a good I had a good joke there. Sorry, I got mad. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about the gold report? Nothing changed. It's the same 
We should look at the correlation between the most innovative companies and the gold report. There's probably like a point nine. Uh, yes, it's yeah. It's hey, guess what? Still Nielsen, Cantar, GFK, Ipsos, Westat. Westat's always there. That's yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, we don't have to talk about that. I mean, it's, it's the same. Over. I always look at like that the spots between. I look at the revenue numbers, not the change in percentage, because it's really hard to change. Where you're at, percentages don't really correlate. But like between 15 down, like after you get past 15 and you start looking at like custom research people, that's when I really start to look at, okay, is there anything new there? Yeah. Is it like a new technology? Like uh, you see like I think community spaces of like 19 now. Um, companies that jump up there like Chadwick Martin Bailey jumped up big a few years back um, and try to see like what they're doing. And to me, when somebody appears new on that report – like, hey, we grew a lot. We're now up here. How did you do it? Was it through innovation? Here's yeah. a spotlight in the group report. Good luck next year. Yeah. There you go. This and also, there's advice. a lot of private companies in the in that report that don't have to release their financials. Don't have to. Right. So, I mean, they do a really good job of estimating it. Yeah, I agree. By the way, I was going to say back to the uh, most innovative company. Maybe it's uh, bots taking the surveys. Probably. <laughs> Three minutes late. Okay, that's good. That's still good. We'll leave it in. Gotta clean that data. Okay. Uh, I think we're at the research rant of the week. Brian, do we have another? Was that the research rant of the week or do you got one? I feel like that's all we need. I agree. That's that, probably all we need. To that do. was good. We probably banned from IEX. <laughs> I think we did. I mean, again, not your fault. Innocent in all of this is the people that are taking the surveys are idiots. I just don't get it. What are we doing? Um, you want to talk about IAX? Yes. Great. What uh, what are you looking forward to most at IIEX? Um, it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but I love this conference. I've always loved it. I've been to I went to the first one in Philadelphia. Um, I love the fast sessions. Yes. I love that you can go to a twenty minute session over and over and over again. Maybe it's my attention span, or maybe you know. Sometimes you go to conferences, you get stuck in there for 45 minutes and you're bored. You're like, oh, boy, what do I do now? You go into a bad session, which there's not many bad sessions. You're only locked in for 15, 20 minutes, right? Yes. Um, there's tons of end clients. I want to hear their voice. I want to hear what Google has to say. I want to hear what Procter & Gamble has to say. I want to hear what Coke has to say. I love that. I love the access to people. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to. What about you? Um, I'm mostly looking forward to the differences and the type of people that are speaking. Um, if you look at the list of speakers, this is not to, I don't want to get on like Andy Pettit's quarter, but this is like so many new speakers at this and not just the same old people that you hear it at every single conference. Um, so many companies that like, I, I struggle to know what it means. Um, but then I'm also looking forward to, um, I think there's a thing on voting that, uh, Lenny and Diane Hessen of C space are doing, um, should be really good. I think, I think they're, they're two very engaging people. And I love, like, I think last year, IAX with Cambridge Analytica spoke, I think people kind of turn the ear a little bit when voting comes up and then kind of polling type things. I think that'd be great. Um, I'm also excited for, some of the workshops, I like to go to the workshops. You hosted kind of a workshop roundtable last year and just see what people yeah. are thinking. Like, what is right? What is wrong? What, what do I think is right that is actually wrong? Um, I think it's a great way to just learn more about the business. And um, I, I think I'm, that's mainly it. I love the networking part of it. There's over almost 1,100 people going to this conference. That's really crazy. Um, 
Uh, I think on some Tuesday afternoon, there is a case session, which I would encourage everyone yeah. to go to. It's about sampling quality, and it'll be a mix of end clients. I think Disney, P&G, along with Bonnie Breslauer will be there, Brett Simpson, Melanie Courtright, so some thought leaders. I want to encourage anyone that ever has any concerns about sampling to go to this. I think it's Tuesday afternoon around 4. I don't have the schedule memorized, but I'll be there, and you'll likely be there. And I think that's it's relevant for everybody that attends this conference. I agree. Um, oh, I just found my favorite one. I was looking for it when she talked. Um, I really like Kelsey Salisbury of Schwann Food Company. I've heard her speak like two or three times just because she comes at, she's doing automated claims testing with panel respondents versus customers. Mm. Automation and panels. Yeah. It's bogus. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, she'll do really well. Um, Tuesday is usually my favorite day, and Tuesday is also the day uh, SampleCon has a track, so it's a lot of talking about Sample on that day as well. Um, And then something else has happened Tuesday, like Tuesday night, right? Oh, yeah, big event on Tuesday night. What is it? Well, it's not an official event. Thank you. I think I don't think we're allowed to say that. Yeah, we're doing a podcast. Hey, we're doing a podcast. Uh, We've got some great guests. Um, See if I can remember some of them. Uh, Rick Kelly from Fuel Cycle Beeler. Isaac Rogers of 2020 Research, which... Believe it or not, I was in Nashville for 10 minutes. Like, seriously, I we checked in our hotel, and we went up and dropped off our bags, and I was like, let's go grab some lunch. We start walking out. I'm holding the door open for somebody behind me. I look back, and it's Isaac Rogers. All right. So what do you do in that situation? Out of context, do you hug him? Do you shake his hand? Do you say, hey, Isaac, what do you do? Just European cheek kisses. <laughs> <laughs> it's Nashville. I uh, introduced him to my wife, and uh, that was it. He asked me where we were going. I was like, we're taking a walk. Huh. That was it. He was like two blocks away, the office, 2020 office. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not too bad. That's cool. So he'll be on the show. He'll be on the show next week. Uh, JC Sebastian to P2, and you, listener, you can come on. I don't, we'll have an open yeah. mic. You can yeah, come yeah, on up whenever you want. Show up and do anything. You don't have to be even good. Listen to the last one. Uh, <laughs> next topic. Oh, GDPR. Uh, we got yeah. this research hot take. Somebody emailed this in because for like three weeks in our office, we were freaking out about GDPR. Yeah. Like everyone's uh, clients are asking, hey, do you have a one pager? Hey, do you have a PDF you can send me? What are you guys doing with GDPR? Um, how are you affected? As an aggregator, how are you affected? Yeah. And then I think everyone personally was getting like the emails to their Gmail. Like, we're going to miss you. Okay. Right. Hey, do you still want us to hear from you? All this stuff. Right. And... Now, here we are, two weeks after, uh, yeah. 10 days after. Yeah. And someone asks, GDPR, was this a big ado about nothing? Brian, your thoughts. Oh, I don't think so. Um, so, first of all, let me give you my experience on GDPR. I kind of managed this privacy for our company. I think I can call myself a data protection officer now, number one. Also, I... I signed a lot of legal documents. I created a lot of legal Ooh. documents and had people sign them. So, Esquire. Yeah, I put Esquire in my job title as well. Sure. Um, when I talked to partners and, you know, they spent a lot of time prepping for this. So people out there, you don't know what GDPR is as a privacy reg- regulation in, in the EU, which really affects survey research. Um, big time. If you're doing any type of research or any kind of marketing in the EU, um, People spent tons of time on it, and you know I agree with the privacy. 
um, pe- of people kind of retaining their personal information. That's the key of it. And so if you want to retract your personal information, if you want to provide it, there's now a regulatory process in place to remove it. And we all have to abide by it or there's giant fines. They'll put companies out of business if they're not abiding by it. Um, I think it'll happen in North America soon, but it's, I don't, I certainly don't think it's much to do about nothing. Maybe you don't hear a lot about it, but behind the scenes, people spent tons and tons of time on it. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's, but I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a big deal because how we react and how this goes over the next year with GDPR is how we're going to react and what we can expect when this comes to the U.S. And I, I, which I fully expect it to happen in the next couple of years where we have our own type of data privacy situation, how we're going to handle that. And for the most part, I'm pretty excited. I thought everybody pretty handled it pretty well. It's just like a shifting of servers for a lot of people. And here's what we're doing, how we're protecting it for here. Like we don't keep any data on anybody. I don't think a lot of sample companies are, are really keeping a ton of data. If they are, yeah. they're just changing around where they have their servers at. So oh, sure. I wonder, I need to ask some partners this, but did they have to re-opt in their panel, number one? And what was the attrition rate? So, like, we had to kind of sure. – you mentioned newsletters here at yeah. Gmail, right? I'm a, a European panelist, I'm sure, had to kind of re-opt in. I wonder if they do that at the individual survey level or at the entire panel level. I would expect if I were a survey owner, I would do it the – hey, next time you get a survey invite, right. here's your new terms and conditions. You've probably been doing it for months. Yeah. Here's right. your rights as a EU citizen, right? Right. So – you probably get a better gauge of what your active panelist number is, right? By yeah. what percentage active. So you could still say 3 million people, but then you know for sure you've got like 900 active, right? Because yeah. they've all updated their whatever. Yeah. User agreements. All right. PR. Brian. Yeah. End of the show. Is you it? have a non-research rant of the week? I kind of do. I've been hanging on to this one for a while. Do it. Um, I haven't done one on potholes lately, have I? Did I do one on potholes? I haven't. No. All right. So... <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's summertime now, and most cities that had any type of cold weather experiences potholes every, you know, late winter, spring, whatever. That's not uncommon. What my complaint is that you look at any industry and there's innovation in it and technology innovation, right? So if you look at automobiles, there's cameras and um, all kinds of warning systems now. Right. Like you almost can't hit another car if you buy a brand new car. There's also driverless I've cars, tried. right? You can't. Yeah. You can't, you can't hit anybody. Yeah. Things beep and flash and blah, 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 all these things. Um, you look at appliances. You wouldn't think that as an innovative category, but you can have refrigerators now that order your food. Right. Right. You can, you can, you can use an app to probably cook stuff in your stove now. It's right. Amazing. What kind of, te- what's the last technology advance we've had in like road construction? Was it the median? Was it the yellow dotted line? Was it the was it the HOA lane? Like it's right. ridiculous. How have we not created any type of substance? Like we're getting ready to go to Mars, and we can't build a road that lasts more than like six months. It drives me crazy. Well, I don't think the money's in the road that'll last six months. Like if we had roads that never went bad, yeah. then there's no money. Aren't there going to be a ton of construction company that a business? Yeah, it's like a tire. You, the tire. I think we could build a tire that lasted forever. We just sure. choose not to. Why would you? But driving to work is ridiculous. I'm like, where? What? What country am I in? Is this a war zone? No one has innovated anything in road technology since 3M made the reflective line. <laughs> the reflective line. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, everything else is the same, and it always has been. I, you know what? I will say, like, I feel like roads are. Our roads <laughs> have the color of roads changed no. in the last thirty years. I want to say roads used to be like a white red, like almost like a pinkish, 
Am I crazy right now? Or is that just like in the South? Like, I don't know. You ever be like driving through Birmingham and you're like, why am I on a coral colored road? I think when you get in the South, it is a little bit different. Yeah. I don't know. Alabama. I think about it for Alabama. Is Atlanta know. black or is it gray? <laughs> I, it I think it's coral. <laughs> the sun affect the color of roads. This might it be lasts. it. It must be like the pressure, the sun, and central time zone. What was the last innovation? Was it asphalt or was it the lot, the signs that say tell you to buckle up? That <laughs> was the last one they started on buckle. You know, I don't like to buckle up. I don't buckle up for Amber alerts. I don't. Bu- uh, I don't buckle up. You know what I do? I do love. Uh, here, I guess it is innovation. Like the funny jokes. Like I saw one the other day. It's like <laughs> yeah. fenders bend, bones don't. <laughs> that's that's um yeah. That's on a sign. Yeah, I was no. like, ah, oh, cool. I guess I got to buckle up. Thanks again, America, for trying to govern me to keep myself safe. And then driving buzz is driving drunk. Oh. Like, to me, if I am buzzed and I read that, I'm laughing. I'm crashing. Just kidding. Yeah, but that's, that's my rant. Like, potholes. Come on. Shouldn't have them. <laughs> I'm with you. Shouldn't be a pothole. Should not be a pothole. <laughs> uh, that wraps up this episode 21 of IntelliCast. Join us at IIEX June 11th through 13th. I will be there. Brian Lamar will be there. Tony Brown will be there. Andrew DeSillis will be there. And Jason Indies will also be there. We'll be also recording live on Tuesday, June 12th at 7 p.m. at Barrel House. It's right around the corner from the conference center. Please come. Have some free drinks. Stop in at a time. You don't have to spend all night with us. Is that fair to say? Yeah, 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes. Listen to the podcast. Have yell. Drink. Have a drink. Get on the mic. Tell me something like, hey, you were wrong about innovation. Something. I don't know. There's other IIEX events that you could attend also. We're not saying spend the whole time with us. Come later. Yeah. Go to the McKenzie thing for an hour and a half. Come back in the last half hour. Because that way, after an hour and a half of us like drinking and talking, like we'll be real fired up. That's going to be the best. Right. Probably don't come until late 30. Right. No matter what. And you'll think we're funnier. Yeah. I mean, that's just when I'm at my best. 8.30. In Atlanta. Uh, other than that, please, uh, it might be a good time uh, whenever conferences are coming up, really start to follow us on Twitter. Because I think that we can, we live tweet a lot at conferences. Brian mentioned he'll be live tweeting from the EMI underscore research account. Maybe also the IntelliCast one. And uh, remember, my rule for tweeting at conferences, if it's funny, Adam Jolly. If it's not funny, EMI underscore research. So I'll probably I'll probably make fun of somebody. I think last year I made fun of Roddy Knowles on my personal account, and that's how we met. Oh, like he was like, "Hey, I just saw you said something." And I was like, "Oh, sorry." He wrote he wrote an interesting blog this past week. I want to talk to him about it. He's great. He's speaking. Oh, example. Yeah, yeah, he's speaking next week too. He should be pretty good. Yeah. Always a really engaging speaker. Um, that does it for the this episode. Looking forward to seeing you next week at IIEX, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.